Sports Radio 1043 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. All right, let's go right to the phone. And joining us is Nate Zielinski. Good morning, Nate. Good morning, Terry. How are you today? You know, I'm doing great. And this has to be such a conflicted time for you because there's so many good fishing bites going on right now. You know, a lot of people talk about the dog days of summer. To me, that's different times of the year just mean I have to change maybe what I fish for or how I fish or where I fish. But there is great fishing going on. Yet if we're going to be true to what you and I talk about year-round on this show about being ready for hunting, it's coming up fast, and you really have to devote time to the hunting. You really do, Terry, and you couldn't have said it more. You know, we'll kind of touch base on the fishing, then we'll get into the hunting because it's definitely that time. But, you know, on the fishing, I literally got to the point where I was almost lecturing people this week. And everybody's like, hey, sorry, don't get mad at me. I, you know, I heard the dog days of summer probably a dozen times this week. And I I don't blame people because there are certain species that right now are tough. But I talked to you about this, you know, in Colorado where we have such an amazing variety uh, of sport fish that we always have something strong. So I tell anglers all the time, you know, don't let your your mind kind of tell you, hey, I really want to catch trout, so I'm going to go trout fishing. I said, play the calendar. If you really want to experience all that Colorado has to offer, hit each species in their peak. You know, like right now, I love throwing jerk baits for walleye, and that bite has just started. I love throwing reaction baits for walleye. That bite has started. I don't think anybody in the world doesn't enjoy watching a giant northern pike blow up a buzz bait. That bite is going. So, you know, some species, you know, maybe conventional tackle for trout on, on, a, on a hot, sunny day, midday, that bite's tough. But there's so many other bites. Play the strength and, and really take advantage of the hot bite. So, again, reactionary fishing for walleye right now, day and night, is fantastic. Spinner baits and buzz baits for big pike. That bite is going extremely strong. So there are, there are you know, the bass topwater bite with all the new fresh weed growth is extremely strong. So long story short, play your strength, go to where the fish are hot, um, and take advantage of it. And then by golly, when you're done fishing, get out there and scout for the upcoming hunting season. I couldn't agree more. Dog days uh, usually means the fish have all settled into summer patterns. And they're, once you figure out what's going on, they're going to stay that way for two, three weeks. And like you said, fish a different method or a different species or a different type of water. And there's a hot bite all year long in Colorado. You should never have a dog day where you can't find a good fishing. In fact, we're going to talk later on the show about the white bass. That boy, they're going just off the charts. But let's talk some hunting. Absolutely, Terry. You know, so we have everything going. Pronghorn archery season literally starts in less than two weeks. So, I mean, that that is one of the hot topics. It's one of those things that, you know, I think it's highly enjoyable. Colorado has an amazing population of pronghorn. We also have some very big pronghorn. And as the, the concept of pronghorn hunting 
is seemingly increasing, right? New Mexico draw, Arizona draw is up in the 20-point range, so 20-plus years to draw a tag. Colorado still has over-the-counter archery tags. So as pronghorn grows more popular in the concepts of hunting, now is the time to hunt them because we have such available opportunity to do that here in Colorado. So we're scouting for pronghorn. Um, literally, where the elk and deer are right now is where they're going to be on the upcoming opener of archery comes September 2nd. It's going to be where they're at come muzzleloader. So if you're an archery hunter or a muzzleloader, you should be full in the, the swing of scouting and getting ready for that season. The patterns are holding true. The bedding grounds are holding true. The water sources are holding true. Um, so everything's happening. And then this week, I spent a ton of time with my kids um, on their shotgunning. We, I just got the twins shotguns, um, and they're getting ready for their very first dove season this fall. So, uh, you know, I think uh, dove is probably that, that upland bird that always goes by the wayside, right? We never practice for it, but yet we all go out on opening day. And if much of you are like me, you know, your ratio of shells to dove is not quite where you want it. You know, ideally you're like one, two shells for a dove, uh, but most of us are like a half a box per dove. Um, you know, yeah, I, so think, I think, Nate, out there and- Nate I, I have to interrupt you. I think taking children dove hunting is child abuse. <laughs> we are going to have a ball. It's going to be great. So we're practicing for that. No, so we have everything underway. You know, uh, and uh, dove hunting is what a fantastic way to introduce kids to hunting upland game and shotgunning. And, you know, there's places like Bar Lake where you can actually go and the hunting may be a little slower than other places, but where you can set up with a few kids, you're not traipsing all over, and yet you're going to get some shots. Absolutely. And, you know, when we talk about scouting for doves, there's two concepts that I want to touch base on today. Number one, that I don't think a lot of people scout doves. They don't go out and see where they're at. They go out opening day, and then they're like, oh, you know, we're good or bad. And with the concepts of dove, you have options of hunting a food source. So you're out in some sort of grain field, sunflowers or millet or, you know, some sort of grain. Or you have concepts of hunting water sitting by a pond and letting the birds come to you after they fed or sitting in a row of trees where they're going to roost. So there's really three concepts of that. And I encourage you, well, get out there, see where the doves are at, see how many there are, you know, understand, is it better to hunt water or grain, you know, or food um, or obviously a, a roosting site. So think about that. But the two concepts here are number one, scout for the doves. But number two, when you talk about deer, you talk about pronghorn, when you go to the average ranch in East Eastern Colorado, right? You go to a farm, you go to a ranch, and you say, hey, I'd like to to big game hunt your property. A lot of that property is utilized by outfitters. You know, there's a lot of money in the big game hunting world, and a lot of ranchers, whether it's already outfitted or they're not comfortable with high-power rifles or archery equipment, very few farmers say no to dove hunters. So this is one of those things that we talk about the public land, like Bar Lake and all of our amazing state wildlife areas, but at the, the true retrospect of things, if you go out to eastern Colorado, you find an area where you have a lot of doves, and you politely go knock on a farmer or rancher's door this next week, right, in the next two weeks, and you say, hey, you know, myself or my buddies or my family, you know, we notice you have a lot of doves. We we're wondering, you know, if there's an opportunity to ever dove hunt your place, if we can, you know, trade you and help you with some work around, the, you know, the farm in trade for some dove hunting, very rarely do I get turned down. I've done a lot of this to where I've went out and just said, hey, you know, you have a, a great crop. We'd love to dove hunt your property. And if you ask now and say the season is coming in a month or, you know, three weeks, 
the odds of you getting access is pretty high. If you show up on opening day wearing camo saying, hey, we'd love to come on your property, that's the type, you know, kind of interaction or approach that isn't as successful. So if you don't have a place to dove hunt and you want to hunt, you know, private ground or a ranch, I think now is the time to get out there and do that. Um, we, we see so much success. Uh, in that kind of option, and that's part of the scouting. Find the birds, find property, plan a hunt, um, and get ready. Do some, uh, you know, some warm-up shotgunning and be prepared for that, and, you know, go get your shells now while they're readily available. And, you know, there's, we do have walk-in access programs that many of them include dove hunting, Uh, so there are opportunities out there for dove hunting, and I do kid about, you know, doves and being a conspiracy conspiracy by the ammunition manufacturers but actually doves are such a great a great bird for youth and then they make because you can take them home and they make incredible table fare too i mean that's you know i love it for all aspects right we're not having to wake up crazy early. We aren't so hidden and whispering to what we can't, you know, enjoy a good conversation and wiggle around a little bit. Um, the concepts of when you miss one, even though you're heartbroken, it's not like missing that, that buck or bull of a lifetime where it's going to haunt you the rest of your life. Um, you know, readily available as far as the opportunity to where when you hit one, your odds of recovery are pretty good, uh, you know, versus uh, a, a young, you know, hunter trying to make that flawless shot uh, and that kind of situation. So the recovery is good. Uh, then I love the aspect of cleaning the birds, you know, where when you have a, a young hunter, you know, on the big game side, say you're 12 years old, obviously we teach them using a knife and, you know, gutting or quartering an animal but it's a little harder for that that youth hunter to do that with doves you know my kids have been on opening day dove season since they were two years old and you know they love getting in there and you know breasting out the birds or plucking the birds so from the very beginning to the very end it's very friendly to youth um and it's a great way to get them into it for sure and you know you can with doves you can start them with maybe a twenty gauge or something too even a four ten you don't have to try to get the youngster putting up with the recoil of a twelve gauge. I mean that's it. My kids are shooting single shot twenty gauges, um, and they're nine years old. They're very small for their age, uh, and they shoot them well. So yeah, get them started and make it happen this season. So that's uh, that's kind of the concepts of the dove. And then I want to jump uh, to two more things before we run out of time. I want to talk about pronghorn. As I've been scouting this season, I am not hunting with archery equipment this year. I have a rifle tag, but I've still been out building plans, helping people, uh, you know, just kind of getting the overall concept to where I can, you know, help educate all the hunters out there. And with the massive amounts of water that we have, the entire season's being a hair later, I have not seen the bucks as excited around does. Now, we still have some time, but I'm not really anticipating the decoying working as well um, as it has in the past. Obviously, the water holes, if you have an active one, great, uh, but with so much water out there, I would say that the, the water hole situation is not as active as I've seen in years past. So we're doing a lot of spot and stock, getting a lot of in their path as they walk to certain places. So I'm putting a major emphasis on number one crossings, where they're crossing fences, where they're using a game trail, anywhere where they're walking on a daily basis, I'm setting up blinds and preparing to hunt them in that transition. I'm also planning a lot of spot and stock. With that, I am planning all of my approaches. So I'm watching the pronghorn and I'm seeing what they're comfortable with. You know, if they're in a field where there's open grazing and there's livestock, horses, 
whatever in the case may be. I'm watching if those pronghorn are used to that. I have, you know, giant cowboard decoys that look like a cow that I can hide behind and walk up on. I'm looking if they're comfortable with farming equipment. You know, is it one of those things that I need to, to utilize a tractor to hide behind, you know, if it's parked in the field and that's my game plan. But I am studying all the outside sources this year, putting a major focus on spot and stock and transition, just as I'm slightly worried that decoying and or the water hole might not be as productive. Not saying they're not going to work, but I don't think it's going to be as productive as it has in years past. So I'm really getting out there scouting for that uh, with the upcoming plan to, to have a different approach than sometimes I normally would. Yeah, I think it's that kind of a year where we really have to be, whether it's fishing, hunting, whether it's big game, upland game, with the water we had early in the year, the amount of snow, the levels in our reservoirs, all those things are going to play in. There's more brush, there's more undergrowth. Um, we're still getting rain. A lot of it hasn't dried up yet. It, it, everything we do, I think we're going to have to approach differently this fall. I, I agree 100%. And then the next concept we're going to talk about, obviously our archery big game season starting early September. I want to talk about hunting mule deer with a bow. I think this is probably one of the, the most you know fun and kind of valued hunts that we have in the state. It is unbelievable opportunity, the amount of tags that there are to hunt mule deer with archery equipment. There's a ton of tags for archery deer still on the leftover or reissue list uh, available by Colorado Parks and Wildlife. A lot of people already have tags. And I think the opportunity to hunt mule deer early in the season is second to none. With that, I think having approach is everything. My go-to approach is to, you know, glass long range, you know, optics, you know, spotting skill, binos, find the deer from afar, watch them without an approach, even if they look like they're in a vulnerable situation, let them bed down and then approach them in their bed. And then as they get up out of their bed, they move around. That's when I am going to take my shot or have my opportunity at these animals. With that, it takes a lot of scouting. So I'm watching the animals now and I'm just watching timing to say, hey, on average, these bucks are bedding down between whatever, 8 and 9 a.m., I do notice that almost all of these deer move the shadows. So as the sun moves in the sky, the deer will get up and move in their beds to stay in the shadows and not sit in the sun. That's one of those vulnerable points that we find unbelievable successful with archery equipment. So once they bed down, instead of sneaking up on them in their bed, I will sneak up on the area that is sunny when I currently make my approach early in the morning or mid-morning, and then midday when those bucks get up to move to the shade, they'll walk right into my, my shooting lane and give me that opportunity. But those are the things that I am scouting now. I'm getting plans, understanding when they're bedding, what they're kind of looking for in their bedding, uh, and obviously all the animals around looking for an area that has a lot of mature deer in it to know that I'm going to have opportunity uh, come hunting day when that opens up. So a lot of scouting on all approaches, uh, but education is the leading source to putting animals on the ground and having a successful hunt here in Colorado. So, again, we, we say it every week, but get out there, scout, scout, scout. All these animals are going to have a flaw, whether it's bedding, transition, water. They're always going to do something that's going to give you an opportunity to make a successful hunt. Find what those flaws are. Find those vulnerable points. Hunt those vulnerable points, and you're going to create success at the end of the season. How much do you think the weather seems to be finally cooling down a little bit? We've been getting some monsoon rain. Do you think the cooling weather is going to be affecting that activity much? 
You know, I think the cooler weather definitely keeps them on their feet longer. So cloudy days, uh, rain, all of that gets them out of their beds and keeps them, you know, moving around, which we love. Uh, it Again, it's just adding to the already plentiful water source, which is going to make their, their transitions and all of their, you know, daily migrations shorter. So it's a catch-22. Obviously, we love the cloudy, cooler weather, uh, but we just continue to keep delivering more and more rain, uh, which, again, is going to slow down their daily movement. So it's kind of a, a catch-22 on those regards. All right, Nate, uh, do you have any activities coming up you want to share with us? Absolutely. This coming Wednesday, we have a really big event with catch rate. So we have two catch rate events left. This weekend uh, is an exciting one, or excuse me, this coming Wednesday. So this Wednesday, August 9th, all of the carp anglers, so we fish carp European style, but we welcome all styles of angling. So whether you're going to fly fish for them or just you know, throw bait out or however you're going to catch them or you're a true Euro carp angler. Uh, we're inviting all the Euro carp anglers to come out there and I'm going to participate in this event. So between myself and our great friends at Eagle Claw, there is a $250 bonus if you catch a carp longer than mine on Wednesday. So I'm going to fish Wednesday's event. I'm going to fish against all the carp anglers out there. Uh, and again, at the end of the night, if I have a, a carp longer than everybody, uh, I'm still a first-place winner and so forth. Uh, but if they beat me, so the winning fish, if it beats my biggest fish, we have a $250 bonus for that angler. So it's an exciting one at catch rate. We encourage everybody to come out, whether you're targeting trout, walleye, bass, carp. Uh, we have a big one this coming Wednesday. We'd love to have everybody come out to Chatfield. Uh, the event runs 4 p.m. to 8 p.m. No pre-registration, $20 per angler per species. Come meet us at the North Boat Dock and uh, check it out. You can always find all the other information on our website or Facebook, everything under Tightline Outdoors. You know, the carp fishing is so underrated. It's really popular in Europe. And I know we don't tend to keep carp for table fare here, but you can. But just catching them, they're so powerful and so smart. And it's just a great challenge. And what a great fish, to, a game fish they make. I agree. Everybody overlooks them. And we talked about this. It was like, oh, we can't eat them. It's kind of a trash fish. And, you know, if you go out and actually target them, everybody catches a carp accidentally from time to time. But I encourage everybody, hey, go out on an average day and try to catch five, eight carp. It's easy to do with lake trout, walleye, pike. But with carp, it's extremely hard to do. They don't get the credit they deserve uh, for their brain power. The number two, when we do catch a giant lake trout or a giant pike, we notoriously throw back those big trophy fish anyways. So it's not a matter of a table fare kind of concept that we look at with carp. So we throw the big fish back regardless. They fight harder than anything. They're unbelievably smart. Uh, we encourage everybody to, to kind of give carp a try. Uh, there's nothing like it out there, that's for sure. All right, my friend, we'll let you go, and we will talk to you again next week. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you, sir. All right, Nate Zielinski, always a great resource. We'll take a time out, and we come back. Brad Peterson's going to join us, and there is a bite going on at Boyd Lake that you just have to get out because if you can get out there, you're going to catch fish. All that more coming up on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 1600 ESPN. <laughs> 